All right. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers animated podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And you'd better drop and give me 20 maggots, because today we are headed to auto boot camp. <laughs> Raises so many questions. <laughs> I mean, this is... It, it's a... It's... Uh, one of the the better titles, actually. We're getting into uh, some more creative titles here. Yeah, I, I like that. Especially because that is not actually a term that's used at any point in the episode to describe what's going on, and, and yet it is what's going on. Oh god, yeah, we don't get a title drop. No. Yeah, no title drop. Even though this would be a perfectly good, like, opening for title drop, you don't get one, and that's but okay. I like that. Transformer, they don't have boots. Well, they also don't have stinging insects, and well, yet... Okay, yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, there's a planet <laughs> of spiders. There might also be a planet of bees. I s- oh my god. Oh my god. Not just bees, but also wasps and yellow jackets. Also, I'm going to object to the assertion that they don't have boots. <laughs> there is an Optimus Prime toy from this toy line, if I recall correctly, that has boots. That come off? I might be thinking something different or something that was maybe shown and cancelled, but there's like an Optimus Super Mode in this. Oh, right, yes. I think that, what, that might have only been released in Japan. Oh. It's oh. one of those tail-end ones when he has like the flight pack. <coughs> oh, right. I, th- I thought you were going to talk about those, uh, those Japanese exclusive uh, ones that turned into shoes. Because that's a thing. <laughs> what? Yeah, but Damn th- it! That's... that's a thing that I had almost forgotten. At best, and that's now... its own continuity. At worst, that might be a movie tie-in line in Japan because everything seems to connect to the movie line in Japan. Oh man, a universe where they all, where everybody is shoes. No. Uh, I think I just pitched the world's worst Rick and Morty episode. <laughs> um, oh yeah, so I guess it, yeah, there was a thing that never was made that. It was basically Power Master Optimus Prime. Huh. Alternately, so I just pitched angry. the world's best episode of Sliders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just John Reese davies yelling at a bunch of shoes. Why? Anyway, uh, so... Why would you even propose that? Transformers! <laughs> First aired June 3rd, 2008, written by Michael Ryan, who has previously written several other animated episodes, most recently The Return of the Headmaster. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we open in space. <gasps> space. And at this point, like, ten seconds into this, I was like, oh, hey, it's the Wasp episode. Yay. Yay. And Autobots ships sure do like to crash like that, don't they? Yep. Yeah, they have some design problems. Yeah, it is not just space. It is a space chase. Yes, space runaway wasp. It, oh, I almost said the full name, but he's not there. Not yet. Not Wait this season. season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's an Autobot shuttle crash lands in a bu- in an asteroid field, and its uh, its only occupant, a green kind of bumblebee looking guy, uh, takes off in his car mode, and he is being chased by Sentinel Prime. Yeah, we have Cybertronian modes. Yeah, he's already ditched yeah, that snowplow mode. Say, yeah. So we can extrapolate from this that that's what Bumblebee's Cybertronian vehicle mode is, right? Well, yes. We do fair? see that later in the episode. They do share a protoform mold, as we'll hear later, and puzzle out the meaning of. Yes, and I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm a little surprised at their restraint here, because I kind of assumed that... Bumblebee in this would turn into that kind of weird wingedy thing that he turns into in uh, the first episode of More Than Meets the Eye. Well, that's kind of, sort of... The Wasp and what Bumblebee's Cybertronian alternate mode is is kind of that with 
the wings sawed off and wheels stuck on. I mean, what it reminds me of sort of is his War for Cybertron vehicle mode. Hmm. Where it's got the that big wheels at the back th- and little ones at the front. Well, yeah, that probably... That wasn't even a thing then inspired. yet, was it? No, that came after this. Right, so I'm wondering maybe that was inspired by this. Which is weird because, again, it doesn't look like that uh, flying saucer-looking thing that he turns into uh, in the first episode of the G1 cartoon, which you would think everybody would have seen. Maybe it just wasn't feasible to make him into that. Well, his robot mode, Cybertronian robot mode, sort of has cues from that, like the chess piece on Wasp is kind of like the top of that weird saucer mm-hmm. thing in the bob. Although we'll note here that Wasp does have a or that this green guy who yeah we who is Wasp has a very insectile head. Yeah. And uh, in fact a very waspinator kind of head. <laughs> yes. <gasps> dun dun. His head crest is sort of stylized antenna and he has a jaw that doesn't split in half but it's well like how Bulkhead has his big toothy digging shovel thing. A wasp just has sort of a pointier thing. It looks kind of like, like, like a motocross helmet if you could stab yourself with a motocross helmet. Oh, yes. yeah. I'm and, sure there are some you could manage to do that with. And then he's also got the bug eyes. Yes. As you do. That and helps. he's voiced by Tom Kenny. Yes. And this uh, is Tom- yes. not a voice you hear from Tom Kenny as often, but it's kind of fun hearing him do it. It's very much his uh, Yancey Fry voice from Futurama. Mm, yeah, yeah. Where he's uh, Fry's jerk older brother. <laughs> yes. I mean, just as Wasp, as we're going to find out, is kind of Bumblebee's jerk older brother. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he, he hops a bunch of asteroids in a way that I'm pretty sure does not scientifically work, but... They're near a space bridge. Gravity around space bridges is weird. I'll buy it and I'll send you a no prize. <laughs> Fair True enough. believer. Fair enough. <laughs> so he triggers this space bridge and then blows it up as he's going through it. So he gets out and Sentinel is stranded without his uh, without his quarry. Ha ha! It's funny when bad things happen to Sentinel. Yes, it is. Although this wasn't quite humiliating enough. No. Yeah, it wasn't quite Return of... Hey, you know, maybe that writer just really likes doing humiliating things to Sentinel. Oh yeah, he did do uh, Return of the Headmaster. Yeah, maybe that's like a pet thing of his. And I also like the little mock salute that uh, Wasp gives Sentinel Prime, which we'll find out is significant later. Yes. Dun-dun. So, we... uh, we cut to the Autobot base. Uh, Ultra Magnus is uh, telling uh, the Autobots that uh, you know, this uh, a, an Autobot trader has escaped from uh, custody, and uh, we think he may be heading to your area. And the narration here, and the fact that it's Jeff Bennett doing a Robert Stack impression, makes this sound like it should be an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> if you have seen this Decepticon trader, call us. <sighs> Unfortunately, he is not playing, like, uh, a reenactment of this with a bunch of amateur actors uh, badly painted as Sentinel Prime and uh, Wasp. That would be amazing! And maybe one of them is Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> that, was, that was his first acting gig. Unsolved really? Mysteries reenactment. Huh. Wow, I did not well, know that. But I'm glad I do now. He's in my uh, favorite underrated movie of the aughts, Reign of Fire. That is definitely a movie that I've seen. (laughs) That is not where I would have gone with best underrated movie of the aughts. Well, I stand by it. It's the future. There's dragons. That's all you need. It's a better movie, The Aughts, that references Star Wars than the Star Wars, the movies that came out in The Aughts? <laughs> that is entirely accurate, yes. Also, it's got Gerard Butler not using his terrible American accent. Oh, yeah, one yeah. of the rare times. It's got Christian Bale not sounding like Batman. Also that. It's always weird when you remember that he's actually British. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
also does not have chronic laryngitis. Yes. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Anyway, so yeah, they're all, yeah, look out for Wasp, and Bumblebee is all, hey, I know that guy, because uh, we used to uh, train in the Elite Guard together, or in, yeah, we were training at Elite Guard boot camp together, and I totally hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> And he's a jerk. Oh. I know that guy. He's a jerk. He hates me. <laughs> yes. I love that he pointed Literally, that. Literally, yeah. Oh. Yes. And, it's, and most people hate Bumblebee, so for him to mention it means this guy must really hate him. <laughs> Which, as we will find out, is actually the case. Yes. Entirely justified. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to Casa Decepticon, and a Megatron is talking to the previously mentioned, but as yet to appear, uh, Decepticon double agent. Dun-dun-dun. And uh, we can't see his face, everything's distorted, and even his voice, although it is Corey Burton uh, doing what kind of sounds like a David Warner impression. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't want to go into spoilers here, so I'll I'll save what I was going to say for later. But but yeah, it's uh definitely does not sound like Wasp. No. It does not sound like Tom Kenny. Although, at this point, we haven't heard Wasp talk. No. That's this is fair. True. That's fair. Also, it's... After some deck beams over some uh, audio of this mystery transmission to the Autobots, they strongly imply that Wasp's jailbreak was a distraction here, don't they? Yes, they say, you know, congratulations on uh, orchestrating that breakout. Mm-hmm. But I think it's kind of in double speak, so you don't know whether it's you know, like congratulations for getting out of jail or congratulations, like congratulations for breaking our patsy out of jail. Like congratulations on the breakout. Yes. Good job with the breakout. And yes, uh, Sumdak is able to uh, because he is still working as their science slave. Yes. He is able to beam part of this transmission to the Autobot base. And so they are, they, they don't get much of it. It's like trying to watch uh, porn on a scrambled channel in the early 90s. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all blurry and staticky and not great. Oh, bad news. I think the Decepticon double agent is Shannon Tweed. <laughs> <laughs> you, you keep uh, flipping away from it and flipping back and you can catch just a split second of, <laughs> of our, our double agent there. <laughs> Uh, flip back, yeah, flip back. Huh? Wait, this one's pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no, it's not. <laughs> so, yeah, Bumblebee and Bulkhead are the ones who are on monitor duty at the time. So they see that there's a double agent. They assume that it's Wasp, and so Bumblebee decides, you know, this is I gotta finish this because this is kind of my this is kind of my fight. So I'm gonna go and find where this transmission is coming from. And then Bulkhead comes along as well, because Bulkhead is a fundamentally decent person. Yeah. yeah. As we're going some to see. people in this episode. Yeah. yeah, no matter how many times life shits on Bulkhead, he, he still reverts to being nice. He's also a good they, well, guy. They clearly don't understand the concept of a double agent, because at this point, Wasp is clearly a zero-to-one agent. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a point yeah. five agent. Yeah. It's not great. Oh, and, and there's a point where they're... I forget what it is. They're, they're saying things that are bad and horrible and things they don't want to do. And one of the things involves Sari's old socks. I guess they, they're responsible for the laundry. Yeah, I was going to say, are they doing Sari's laundry? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, she's like, you can't trust her with a washing machine. That is entirely fair, because she would just put her key in it, and the next thing you know, the entire warehouse is full of suds, and yeah. it's, it's not great. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, even if you don't understand what clothing is, it's you're, you're better to do it than she is. Yes, and she only owns one outfit, so uh, they must be yeah. using it a lot. Well, she's probably got a bunch of those. That's I mean, true. come on. Hopefully Porter C. Pell did not also keep those. I'm, I'm sure Isaac Sumdak has that thing scotch guarded. Yeah, that's fair. It probably just everything just falls right off. It just slides right off. Uh, and yeah, I I 
I had totally forgotten that this whole framing sequence existed. I kind of thought maybe this was like almost all flashback. But uh, anyway, so the flashback begins, and we are on Cybertron uh, some time ago. And uh, In this is apparently the past. Yes, many many years ago. At least fifty Oregon. years ago, but who knows beyond that? Yeah, we, yes. we don't really know how old everybody is. But yeah, I guess it's orientation day at Autobot Boot Camp or Auto Boot Camp. Aww. As they don't say. Yes. <laughs> Maybe anyway, they so, feel it goes without saying. So attending this, we have uh, five guys. We've got Bumblebee, we've got Bulkhead, we've got Wasp, uh, we've got Ironhide, who we've already seen previously. Mm, and is, uh, is Corey Burton doing a southern accent? And uh, Longarm. Ironhide. Yes, and Longarm, who we, we have not seen before. And uh, he's Corey Burton again. Kind of sound like uh, Spike Witwicky. A little bit, but mm-hmm. I, I think I'll, I'll get into it later. But yeah, he does a, uh, a solid voice here. I mean, it's probably close-ish to what Corey Burton's regular voice sounds like. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's, it, it sort of almost reminds me of Perceptor, but not quite. Yeah, maybe I, he doesn't have the accent. I mean, he doesn't quite have the accent of Perceptor. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's... the Britishness. Unusually for, uh, animated, he doesn't really have a counterpart in an older series. I mean, Not uh, really. Can can we just can we get it out there? Can we just spoil? <laughs> or are we gonna have to wait on the spoilers? Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this, you should probably listen, watch the episode first. Yeah. And it gets spoiled at the end of the episode, so it's not like yeah. So um, yeah, this so guy is t- somebody. It's, it's it's a very good voice of Shockwave, just trying to sound like a normal guy. Yes. I mean, instead of his his whole like stilted speech, it's basically and and I'm really impressed with Corey Burton for for doing it like that, taking that voice and just doing well. What if it's that same voice but acted differently? Yeah, it's like, so, it's like one of those uh, scenes on Orphan Black when you have one of the clones pretend to be a different clone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's it's actually very impressive acting job there to do that voice that's like this other voice but slightly different. I like it. I'm mm-hmm. impressed. So he, I mean, he does. If if you're if you listen to it and absolutely if this is like your second time watching the episode and or someone let you play with their long arm toy before you had watched the show, uh, then, you know, you could tell, hey, that that sounds like Shockwave, just not sounding like Shockwave. Yes. And yeah, he's, he's sort of got a, I kind of like his design. He's got uh, kind of a nice gray and teal. He's kind of got a, a big red dot in the middle of his forehead, and he's kind of wearing a scuba mask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a <laughs> really he's fun got, boy. Like, Yes. He's got like an actual face, so. And he's also you know. got that one giant glowing eye disguised <laughs> inside that face. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's yes. almost too obvious because like nobody else has a design element at all like that. Well, I mean, I it's don't also. Know. He, I mean, and he's also the only guy who isn't a guy from another series. I mean, there have been previous yeah. long arms, but none of them looked anything like this. Yeah, I mean, there was a mini con named Long Arm who. You know, presumably no one was thinking of, except yeah. to make sure that they had a trademark on his name. Yes. Oh, speaking of names, how they get their names, which... Yeah, because none of these guys actually have names yet. Or not the names they're using now, which brings up weird possibilities. Like, yeah, yes, what the hell? For every point this episode got for not doing a title drop, it loses a point for every character it names. <laughs> I I don't know, it, it's, it's interesting and weird, like, it's kind of like... They're being named as if they were joining G.I. Joe. Yes. Kind of, so yeah. I mean, the question is, fair, what were they called before? Do they just have, like, numbers? Yeah, to be fair, it, it, it makes perfect sense that Sentinel Prime would suck at naming people. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, on the other hand, why are you letting him do it then? And yeah, did they have, like, protoform number designations or something? Or... And what then the if heck? you don't jo- if you don't join the military, do you not get a name? Yeah. Bullshit. Is this like a Starship Troopers thing? 
presumably service guarantees citizenship. I, I would like to know more. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, what the heck is I that? offer also, an alternate possibility. Uh huh. Sentinel Prime is just, or I guess Sentinel Minor currently is so into the drill instructor thing. Even though he's not allowed to call them by names other than their real names, he is still totally into the abusive nickname thing. So he spent all night last night looking over the list of the new recruits <laughs> and coming up with degrading ways of giving them their own name. <laughs> I don't know. I, it is weird, but I, I do I like, like that he calls Bumblebee a bumbler, and that's how we get Bumblebee. Of course, yeah. then this is this makes you wonder, how did other characters get their names? Like you, a red truck guy. You're always looking on the bright side. I'm going to call you Optimus. That, like yeah, Optimus and RC. Sentinel are really like weird. RC had a name, and that's not even a name that means anything. I, whoever um, Optimus and Sentinel's drill instructor was was really into Cybertronian Latin, I guess. Oh man, maybe it was Ultra Magnus. Yeah. That would also explain Elita One. I mean, even though that's not even Latin, but it's also not like a noun. <laughs> kind of an elitist. I'm going to call you Alita. I don't know that, but her name one. Alita One. It, it's more like you're Alita One, you're Alita Two, you're Alita Three. I'm not going to remember all your names. You're just a number. Maybe she was triplets. The women's drill drill instructor is really bad at coming up with names. <laughs> yeah. So I I like that in this scene. At one point, uh, actually a couple times in this episode, they use the word mud flap as an insult <laughs> because I feel like, and I realized that this would have. I'm pretty sure this aired before Revenge of the Fallen, but I feel like after Revenge of the Fallen, mud flap is absolutely an insult. Oh, it was at this it, point too because mud flap the Cybertron toy shelf warmed for like a year. That is even also though he fair. was pretty cool. I like that toy. Yeah. He's up on top of my desk right now with a bunch of other I mean, I never bought one to get bash into signal answer like I should have. Aw, <laughs> alas. So yeah, they, everybody meets each other. Bumblebee and Wasp immediately dislike each other, even though they, they are from the same protoform mold. Which, okay, that's that's a thing. I mean, it's a thing that's become more of a thing since then, but... It, it's such a uh, weird Allspark Almanac, please elaborate on this for us. <laughs> oh no. Uh, oh no. It, it elaborated a little bit too much, but I, I do like that, like, yeah. characters sharing molds, because characters have always shared molds, so making that a thing in the fiction is like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I feel bad for Bulkhead being set up as just the gomerist of piles. <laughs> oh yeah, Aww. he is the Vincent D'Onofrio of this, uh, of this little full metal jacket. Poor guy. Except, unlike, I mean, at no point, however, does he, you know, snap and murder Sentinel Minor here. He well, no matter how remains, justifiable. Oh, yeah, he <laughs> remains wholly good-natured throughout. Which, more than anyone else deserves. He is too good for this auto-boot camp. <laughs> I mean, he, he is just, such a... No. He, want, he just wants to be a space bridge technician. I mean, he is such a hasty that when we first are first introduced to him, he is like chewing on what appears to be metal grass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And is this the first mention of him at all in relation to Space Bridge Tech? I believe so. Yes. It seems other it's than the fact that, that they were Space Bridge Techs. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Yeah, but they were more of like sanitation for space bridges, kind of. It, 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 it is a thing that it seems that it's this late in the show that we find that out, that he likes space bridges. And pay attention, this will be important. Yes. This will come so, up. So yeah, they, they, they all line up. Uh, Sentinel Miner introduces himself. Uh, he has a pretty great line about how we're all friends here. <laughs> yeah, which I laughed Aww. at. Welcome to right. Japari Cyber Icon something? <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, you know, they all ask, uh, what, you know, the, he asks them, you know, what, what your goals are, you know, and, uh, Bumblebee wants to be in the, in the elite guard, uh, Longarm wants to be in intelligence, and, uh, Bulkhead wants to be a space bridge maintenance technician. That seems like a perfectly solid career. I don't see what's wrong with that. Because I mean, he's a large far- piece of farm equipment? 
Well, are we being functionist about this? Let's not get uh, functionist I mean, about this. I mean, there kind of are with Sentinel, because he talks about how uh, he's a bot who knows his place. Yeah, well, that Sentinel would do that. He's a jerk. And his kind of setup is a half-tracky thing. Yes. I mean, he kind of looks like a piece of military equipment, but... I mean, he was working on an Energon farm, whatever that is. Yeah, you know, where they farm Energon. And at one point he talks about sweeping up Energon dust, so I have no idea how that even works. Oh. <laughs> he He's totally just a... It's an MMO. He's sitting at home on his laptop doing MMO goal, Energon farming <laughs> and Energon dust <laughs> sales on the auction house. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, you know the, the energon explodes out of the volcano. You got to sweep it up with your big scoop on the front of your tank tractor mode. Yeah, he does have a big plow. He's a harvester, yeah. I guess. It's important. And yeah, this is where Sentinel just gives them all names. Uh, Bumblebee's got like, or Wasp has stingers, so he he gets to be Wasp. Uh, Bumblebee also has those stingers, but he's bad at using them, so he is a Bumblebee. How how these are very specific winged stinging insect things. <laughs> I mean, you can be like there's a planet of of space spiders, and I mean, as I've said, Blizzard Entertainment has shown us that that is a multiversal accomplishment. <laughs> but like, there's specifically a planet of a variety, the same variety of stinging insects that we have on Earth? Okay, I know I'm overthinking this. I know this maybe. is the point where we say Transformers is not hard sci-fi. Yeah, but maybe Sentinel's hobby became studying creepy arthropods after the incident. Oh, so he could find and kill them? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I'll and, uh, it. And Ironhide, as it turns out, can uh, can pull a Colossus. Yes, yeah. that's actually my notes. It's Ironhide is just Colossus. And so he becomes, of course, Ironhide. Yeah. And he's... Um, and Longarm has, like, go-go gadget arms and legs, like uh, Machine Man. Yeah, which is uh, kind of neat. And his robot he's brain long needs arm. <laughs> long arm because again sentinel is terrible at actually naming people i mean he also has long legs too sentinel yeah well it's a good thing he did the arm thing too or his name would have been long leg <laughs> or crazy legs like that guy from gi joe <laughs> no <laughs> damn it you're crazy but you also have legs i i kind of love the pun of his uh Disguise name. Because he's an Autobot law enforcement, he's the long arm of the law. Uh, oh. I died uh, a little. I just well, died I guess, a little just now. Well, in fact, there's a guy from uh, Cops named Long Arm. Yeah, because he's but, the long arm of the law. Because like not cops. not the Fox show, but the central organization of police specialists. <laughs> yes, the one that actually has characters other than like. Meth guy and prostitute. Yeah, fighting crime in a future time. Uh, and somebody, I thought the, the future on that show looked suspiciously like Florida two years ago. Oh man, although <laughs> man, that is what like IDW wants to dig into those more obscure uh, Hasbro properties. Oh, cop, cops, cop, Hasbro, uh, cops comic in the style of cops the t- the Fox TV show. Hmm. <laughs> yes, like it's BP vest busting a bunch of meth addicts. Hmm. <laughs> I approve of this. Call me IDW. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, they all get names. Uh, bulk and oh yeah, and Bulkhead is all bulk and no brains, so he is Bulkhead. Aw, poor guy. But he again, he doesn't mind it because Bulkhead kind of doesn't mind anything in this episode. No, no. Sentinel Prime too good. Sentinel Miner yells at him to stop smirking at him and. Bulkhead just has to go, no, th- that's just the shape of my jaw attachment thingy. <laughs> <laughs> and Bumblebee makes a crack about uh, Sentinel's giant chin. <laughs> yes! He got called out on his giant chin. Booyah! Okay, sorry. <laughs> ah. so, his yeah, they, chin uh... should be less large. So they immediately, Sentinel immediately doesn't like them because he is playing Arlie Ermy in this episode. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, they end up having to do a bunch of oil cleanup, and they they screw it up, by which I mean Bumblebee screws it up, and buries Sentinel in a giant stack of oil drums. Hey! Ha ha! I like the concept of transform-ups instead of push-ups. Yes, that is that is a clever uh, that is a clever thing, and thankfully none of them are those guys who kind of have to like do a flip and then transform. Oh, that would get awkward. Yeah. Yes. Although I think there are parts in this episode where we see Bumblebee transform in two completely different ways. Yeah, it's one of those. Try not to think about it too much. Like yeah. how in I think every time Hot Rod transforms in the movie, oh, yeah. it's there's, a totally different way. There's yes. three. Like three and a half different ways he transforms into. <laughs> yes. And that's even before he turns into a Winnebago. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. So eventually, yeah, they get assigned these transform ups, and also Bumblebee is assigned to just balance a couple of oil drums and repeat to himself that he is a worthless oil stain, which, yeah, which is a like- little counterproductive. Also, Aww. like, why is he being subjected to a Japanese school student punishment? The hell? That poses a reference to something, Oh, I didn't it? realize that was an actual thing. I think it's a Monty Python thing. Maybe? I just know it from anime, where every once in a while... I don't know if this is a real thing that still happens. It probably does, but it seems crazy. Like, you have a student stand in the hallway for doing something wrong, holding, like, two buckets out at arm's length. For who the hell knows what reason... That's well, really not cool, because that hurts, man. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, that, that's so similar to this that I have to assume that is a refer- that this thing in the episode is a reference to that. Or they're all a reference to something else. It's just so weird. Maybe it's an old British thing that somehow wandered the world. Ah. Uh, Boarding schools are also really terrible. Yes. Or so English literature has taught me, or by that I mean Neil Gaiman. Reading Neil Gaiman has taught me that British boarding schools are the worst. Now that, uh, that that Hogwarts seems pretty nice, except for, you know, people constantly getting murdered by wizards. Well, okay, there's that. And there's also Lord of the Flies, a book written in response to somebody writing a book that was about boarding school kids getting stranded and not immediately murdering each other. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, piggy. Like, why would you even think that would be a thing, that they just not murder each other? <laughs> Have you not been to one? Uh. Anyway, so Bumblebee just decides, you know, they'll screw this, and quits. But then he spots a, uh, there's somebody in the shadows talking to a communicator. And Megatron, in his uh, pre-Earth body, is talking to him. So there is a double <gasps> agent at this boot camp. Dun-dun! Bumblebee does lose track of him, though, but does see Wasp walking out of this warehouse. So therefore, he assumes that Wasp must be the traitor. Good job. Good job, So instead, so, you know, he doesn't know what to do. So he talks to Longarm, who is kind of the one guy here who is not bulkhead and doesn't totally hate him. (laughs) Good job. And, And Longarm does that thing that I've mentioned before where the character is... You know that they're lying, but the other character who they're lying to does not. Because he's not a very good liar. Longarm is like, what? What? You heard a uh, a spy? Well, uh... Oh, jeez. Can't just gosh. tell Sentinel. You gotta find the proof yourself and take it over his head. Yes. Yeah. That'll make you an asset. I mean, hero. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Bumblebee then enacts uh, what may be the dumbest plan possible. It's pretty bad. He's got a box. It's got the Elite Guard symbol on it. And he just leaves it there, hoping that Wasp will grab it. Instead, because this box is just unexplainedly there, uh, Sentinel grabs it instead and gets a face full of uh, pink paint. Oops. They do seem to like their pink paint at this boot camp. Yes. Yes. Is that, like, is that supposed to be, like, blood? Or, or symbolize blood or something? Oh, maybe. I didn't even think about that, but that's possible. I don't know if we really get, ener- I don't know if we really get Energon as blood on this show. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't think that's until IDW, but I, because of IDW, I think, oh, there's pink stuff leaking. That's blood. Energon. Blood. <laughs> that would make the later <laughs> training exercise really sinister. 
Yeah. I mean, it well, does make sense, though. You know, I mean, that is kind of what it's supposed to represent. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why it kind of works. It's like it's combat. It's like you, you would use, like, people would use red paintballs. Yes. Hey, you bleed it. They're using pink, so... So, Sentinel gets carried by the box? Yeah. Thankfully, he doesn't have psychic powers. And then Bumblebee, he... That doesn't work, so he tries a, uh, like a, a listing device, which instead, uh, catches, uh, Sentinel telling Cliffjumper, who we've not seen yet, uh, on hey, this show. Cliffjumper, yay, another shared protoform mold. Yep. Yes. He has a large chin. I mean, not quite like Sentinel, but he has a large chin. Yeah, I mean, kind of large chin, kind of just a high face. Yeah, yeah, that's it, fair. It's, too. it's kind of, his face shape is kind of like Bumblebee's turned upside down. Yeah. So he he doesn't get any lines, but uh, Sentinel is talking about, A, how much he hates the uh, doofuses that he has been assigned to train, and how old and senile Ultra Magnus is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the best part. So nothing is going particularly well here. And so everybody, uh, you know, much much like in a military movie, everybody gets punished for this. And so Wasp and Ironhide do the Transformer equivalent of uh, doing the old beating a guy with socks in his bunk and um, steal Bumblebee's legs. And then some yeah, the rest of him up, in a locker. Man. That's, yeah. like, this is the weirdest, like, it's effectively like teasing another cadet but they're actually dismembering him, which adds a whole new level of... Ugh. I mean, they're, 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 they're a race that can be disassembled and put back together, so I assume if humans could do that, you would see a lot more uh, dismemberment pranks. Probably, yeah, yeah but it's still fair. weird. It's still weird. It's boot camp, so do you think this is called getting booted? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Why? But hey, it's uh, it's long arm being a nice guy again. Uses his uh, his extendo arms to uh, retrieve Bumblebee's legs, and uh, tells Bumblebee, you know, you you got to keep going. You'll you'll definitely find this traitor. I'm your <laughs> pal. <laughs> you should totally keep at this. Yes. So anyway, it's uh, it's war games time. We're doing uh, we're doing a combat exercise with a bunch of uh, again pink paint. Uh, Wasp indeed hits uh, with a little friendly fire with a uh, with a grenade, which fortunately is a training grenade. Yes, but hey, here's here's Bulkhead to lend a helping hand, but because it's Bumblebee, he just tells Bulkhead how much he sucks. He's such a jerk to Bulkhead. Makes oh. me mad. I, because Bulkhead is just so kind and decent. He's such he a good guy. He just wants to fix space bridges. He's too good for all of this. He's too good for the setting. <laughs> just a giant cinnamon he's, roll. He's too oh. good for this flashback. And, and the framing <laughs> device kind of points out that Bumblebee doesn't treat him much better now. No. Yeah. Only slightly better. But, yeah, not really that much, considering they've known each other for... Figure... Well, no, they were kind of asleep for 50 years, but... I mean, it's it's been a long time, though. Years? Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. So, yeah, they, uh... We get to... You know, this, there's an obstacle course that kind of looks like, a, you know, sort of a, a wrecked Cybertron. A bunch of paint cannons, but, hey, there's that, uh, that shadowy Decepticon traitor. Uh, who... <gasps> And bad news, these cannons have a switch that goes from paint to death lasers. Yeah, That like, seems really like a bad idea. Yeah, why would For you... For exactly this reason. Take the th You load the guns with paint, okay, and you also load them with lasers? Why? I mean, Someone I think... Someone at some point is going to get angry at some other cadet and use this to murder them. That's I mean, just I, how I, it's going to be. I'm sure the actual military does use, like... Live fire exercises. Yeah, I mean probably. Yeah. But I don't it's know if they use equipment. guns that you can. 
that you yeah. can switch from paint to actual yes. guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, at, at the very least, you're asking for a Brandon Lee situation here. Yeah. yeah. Something's gonna, somebody's gonna lean against the wrong thing, and suddenly you have a death on your hands. Good job. And indeed, despite uh, being the constant subject of abuse from Bumblebee, uh, Bulkhead saves uh, his tiny yellow friend by dropping a build by dropping a building on the cannons, uh, and but also dropping it on Sentinel. Yeah, yeah. I love how he's in a sling in his next appearance. Yes, <laughs> and hey, Bulkhead says, "Oh, geez, I better, I better apologize." And Bumblebee, in what is actually pretty good advice, says, just get out of here. <laughs> so, yeah, back in the present, uh, Bumblebee and Bulkhead are st- are out in the wilderness looking for uh, the signal. You know, they're talking about the old days. And then Bumblebee just gets into some quicksand. Or quick mud or something. And Bulkhead just has to p- rescue him again. <laughs> good job. And then Bumblebee's a, a total dick about it, and Bulkhead just leaves, as he probably should have a long time ago. Yeah, as he should have, like, years ago. <sighs> like, you you just need better friends, Bulkhead. Like, maybe Prowl. Yeah, hang out with Prowl more. Hang out with Optimus more. Ratchet. Yeah. I'm sure Ratchet would like I can see the like problem with the fine. situation now. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I could hang out with Prowl more. But he's A, a prowl, and B, a total quiet weeaboo who <laughs> doesn't seem to have much patience for Volkhead's clumsiness. Yeah. Ratchet, who, you know, is cranky at everyone over everything. I think Ratchet just needs a friend. Mm. But will he let anybody be his friend? Mm, no. no. This is the problem. And there's Optimus, yeah. who's probably always busy doing Optimus stuff. Yeah, like filling out paperwork or whatever the officers have to do. There's also the subordinate superior thing, which is always weird. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. They need a sixth member of this cast. Like, Jazz should have stuck around, and I'm sure he and Bulkhead would be pals. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He and yeah, Jazz sure Bulkhead has fun hanging out, sorry. a good guy. Yeah, I bet Jazz would really appreciate Bulkhead's art. <laughs> he probably would. Or even if he didn't, he would probably say he did to be nice. Yes. But I think he actually would. Yes. Anyway, so as soon as Bulkhead leaves, Bumblebee almost immediately just falls off a cliff. (laughs) Yes. Because he apparently cannot actually do anything by himself. So we're uh, we flashes back again. We're about to get a surprise locker inspection. Looking for I don't know contraband junk junk energon or robot pornography or who knows what else would be in these lockers. <laughs> that does raise a lot of questions. So Bumblebee thinks you know this is my last chance before Sentinel just finds what I what he assumes will just be like a bunch of Decepticon paraphernalia. In this locker, like, he expects Wasp to be like Robot Mark Furman or something. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, uh, Longarm uses a... He trips up uh, Wasp, and uh, Bumblebee then light-fingeredly pickpockets his uh, locker key. He opens up this locker, and indeed, there is a Decepticon communicator inside. You can tell, because it's in Decepticon colors. (laughs) Which is very helpful. Thanks. I Thanks, mean, really, guys. you'd think that you would dis- you would just paint that thing red. Nope. Or, it's almost or like it was it painted like... there or something. Yes. Yeah. Dun dun. But, I mean, to do to plant it, nobody was near that. You'd have to have really long arms or something. <gasps> it must have been iron hide. <laughs> yes, this iron hide could totally pull that off. <laughs> Whose main source of amusement seems to be turning himself to iron and letting people punch him. <laughs> Which is occurring more than once in the background. Of this yes. Episode. It's just his thing that he 
just amuses him. I, I like that Ironhide is just kind of aggressively, an aggressively dumb jock in this. <laughs> yes. He's kind, kind of a Flash Thompson. Yeah. Or, or no, more of a, uh, was it Moose Mansfield from, uh, from Archie? Oh, sure. yeah. Hey, I can Duh. turn invulnerable. Take turns hitting me. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, punch me. <laughs> you better be careful, Ironhide. That's how Houdini died. <laughs> Oops. <sighs> anyway, so they they finger Wasp as the traitor. He gets carted away like uh, Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> Yep, complete with the little uh, hand cart. Get this thing back to Baltimore. <laughs> it's a hand cart that has treads, so that's a little weird. Maybe this happens a lot. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Nope. Happened again, get the trader cart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That, that kind of paints a dystopian picture of this whole thing where there's... Just, Every boot camp class, there's like two or three people that betray each other to try to get an award. Oh man, that's messed up. Well, you know, it's your classic uh, sort of breakfast club dynamic. You got the princess, you got the you got the rebel, you got the traitor. <laughs> uh, you got Ali Sheedy. I haven't seen the Breakfast Club in ages. I'm not sure I've ever seen anyway. all of it. You have Judd Nelson. Oh yeah, hey. Man, maybe that he was obviously the Judd Nelson. He obviously Hot Rod was the Judd Nelson. Yes, yes. Just getting because. getting packs of robot <laughs> cigarettes for Christmas. <laughs> so yeah, Sentinel is very impressed with the Bumblebee, and he's going to recommend him for an elite guard position. But he's still kind of mad at the whole somebody dropped a building on me thing. So he's going to kick somebody out for it, and it's going to be Bulkhead because he doesn't like Bulkhead. Aww. Because he's a jerk. Who could not like Bulkhead? I know. <sighs> just makes me mad. So Bumblebee actually has an attack of conscience here and says that he did it. <gasps> oh no, Bumblebee! So hey, uh, is this going to affect my uh, elite guard position? Smash cut! Bumblebee and Bulkhead are fixing space bridges. Bulkhead and is Bulkhead so happy. loves it. Yes, he's so happy. I have arrived. Yeah, and and they're fixing a break. Is it the same space bridge that's in the first episode, or is it a different one? I think they they just all look like that. I know, but like, it, it almost feels like it's exactly the same one because they're like on an asteroid. I I think that a lot of them are on asteroids because the one at the beginning of the episode is on an asteroid, and so was the one in the first episode. So maybe they're yeah. just all in asteroids. Yes, it does seem like most of them are in asteroids, but also I would not be shocked if you wanted to set the timeline for this and say it's been about 50 years plus two weeks before that. Yeah, I guess I guess we don't know how long this crew's been together. Yeah, well, because in the first episode, it doesn't feel like they've been all together that long. No, it sort of like, gives you the similar... Uh, sense as that first episode of Beast Wars where yeah. everybody is still kind of trying to figure out everybody and Rad yeah, Trap. A couple guys sort of know each other, but most of them don't know yeah. each other at all. With a pilot, you can never be quite sure whether it's because it's a pilot or because they are trying to imply that, but it works Because the way. writers are still go getting mm -hmm. to know them or trying to introduce them to the audience <laughs> or whether it's actually them getting to know each other. Yeah, we just haven't quite figured out what we're doing here yet. Wait, well, the the, the pilot not having the same setup as, like, the rest of the show is a common thing in pretty much every TV show. Oh. Whoa, I'm a bumblebee. No, better get <laughs> I'm B-Tor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know why he'd be called B-Tor. Like, you know, like, beater. Like, yeah. I hardly oh, know her. No. <laughs> I, I was making a masturbation joke. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I I can only think of, like, one show specifically that has the tone in the first episode that it has in the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones? Yeah. 
murdering a child and there's incest. Yeah, that's the show. <laughs> Except it seems to Leverage have... Leverage does a pretty good job of nailing the tone. Well, the trying to murder a child. It seems to have started out arguing that maybe incest is not great, and it seems to be increasingly making the arguments that incest is just fine. <sighs> Yeah. This is why I'm glad I spend my Sundays watching Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. I should get back to that. Eventually, I, I would suggest Game of Thrones at some point. It's entertaining in its weirdness sometimes, although there are, the middle seasons are slow. I, I mostly find it intimidating because I think, oh, I'm never going to tell all these people apart. Yeah, yeah, it helps to read the books first so you can be like, oh, hey, that's that guy. Or maybe that's just the way I learned. Well... To a degree, yeah, but it, it narrows down the cast. That helps. And By a constant most of the murder? Important characters, yes. Yes, and most of the important characters, like, look more notably different. Like, the tall dude, the really tall lady, the little murderous child. Yes. Uh, Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Oh, Peter Dinklage. Uh, there's just From so many things I keep hearing that make me go, okay, I don't need to, like, knowing that Jason Momoa only lasts one season. And having people, nice. and having people go, oh, we finally reached the awesome thing with the dragon that is a worse version of Wrath of the Lich King's awesome cutscene. <laughs> so is, is Peter Dinklage the only American on that show? Uh, I don't know. No, there, um, I think, um, Daenerys is that? Daenerys. I'm pretty sure she's British. Maybe. She might be. I don't know. A lot of the cast is, oh no, um, oh no. Gwendolyn Christie. She is definitely British. Where the hell is she from? Yes. Yeah. Somebody else, I think, was. But yeah, yeah. Most of them are British or weird Norwegian, Scandinavian, or something. Yeah, Amelia Clark, born London, 1986. Damn it. Damn. I wonder what country the guy who's named Half Thor is from. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly enough, France. <laughs> Parents, big Jack Kirby fans. I like Game of Thrones, but I like terrible things where horrible things are happening to everyone, and also uh, blue aesthetic zombies. Anyway, speaking also of terrible things like happening to people. Yes. Yeah, speaking of terrible people and terrible things happening, Bumblebee is buried in rocks. Oh. So he's thinking, uh, you know, he's, he's talking about how you know I'm friends with Bulkhead, and uh, and I and I saved his career, and but he never. He never dreamed big. And Bulkhead says, I did dream big because I dreamed of being your friend. Aww. And, oh, God. I, Bulkhead's just the best. I can't deal with him. He's <laughs> too good. He's just, he's too good. I can't. Cue the heartwarming music. Yes. Yep, and so they just, uh, they just decide. Perfect Strangers know, theme? Exactly. <laughs> they are standing tall on the wings of their dreams. <laughs> And, in fact, it turns out they were almost standing tall right on top of the Decepticon base, but they just turn around and go home. <laughs> Good job. Good job, guys. I mean, even if they had found it, Megatron would probably just kill them both immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Although, they, they should know exactly... Well, they should know it's a Decepticon base, but they know where that mine is. Well, I guess... They chased Megatron's Bumblebee body through would. it. Bulkhead was not there. Yeah. Well, if it it looks like the same mine, we're not sure it's the same mine, but it's probably the same mine. I'm reasonably sure it's the same mine. You don't know. Why would they think that it's that place? Well, they wouldn't be there. It's just full of space barnacles. <laughs> and, I mean, remember, they don't actually know where the space barnacles came from or whose torso they were on. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, ew, space barnacles. I don't want to go in there. Yep. It's gross. I don't want to get so, space barnacles. Speaking of space and or the barnacles therein, uh, cut to space. And Wasp uh, didn't actually make it to Earth. He's still on that asteroid. And uh, it turns out he didn't have such a great time in prison. He's gibbering yeah, madly He's and speaking uh, of himself gibbering. in third person. And he just sounds... I mean, he, it's still Tom Kenny, but it's Tom Kenny doing Scott McNeil doing Waspinator. It's so good. Is he it's it's not a full waspinator, but it's edging. He started the buzzing. Yes, Bumblebot not hide from Though, wasp. That that made me have a moment moment of thinking. Well, 
Tom Kenny is Waspinator on this, you know, is Wasp on this, and he's also Starscream, and Waspinator was Starscream for that one episode, except he was Doug Parker. Oh man. It it all connects. (laughs) (laughs) Dun dun dun. It's like poetry, it rhymes. Yeah. Anyway, so th- so did Wasp just go insane from being falsely accused of a tra- of being a traitor, or are Autobot prisons really bad? Yeah, that seems uh, pretty. Uh, that's a pretty bad prison there. That's kind of scary. Think about who'd be in an Autobot prison. Probably Mostly a bunch Decepticons. of Decepticons. Yeah, and, uh... we've seen Blitzwing. We've seen Lugnut. We've seen Starscream. <laughs> And then you would be the Autobot in a jail full of Decepticons. It's like being a cop in prison. Oh, that's not good. So he's getting beat up all the time. Poor or dude. he, or they just well, put him in solitary the whole time. Oh. Yeah, I would think solitary more because which is why he went yeah. crazy. Like the war with the, most, the, like most Autobots haven't seen Decepticons. So even if they are in prison, they would would have been in prison for like a hundred years or more. So it's like Middle Wasp. If Wasp just got out, he was locked in there for fifty years, possibly by himself. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, yeah, he's Whatever crazy now. Ah, poor dude. Poor dude. So back at the Autobot base, they uh, Bumblebee and uh, Bulkhead call into Cybertron, and uh, hey, they call their old buddy uh, Longarm Prime, head of Cybertronian Ooh, intelligence. Prime. And, he and he's all oh, hey, a traitor. Him. That's uh, yeah. Hey, a traitor. That's uh, that's interesting. I'm I'm just gonna type that up here on my invisible typewriter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations yeah, on your promotion to Prime Longarm. Sorry to hear about the mysterious death of your previous boss. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, as it turns out, is a thing that happens in a later, uh, or at least is implied to have happened. I can't remember if it actually comes up in the episode or in like one of the almanacs. But his predecessor is not around anymore. Dun, Hunting dun, dun. accident. That's not great. It's not great. No. So yeah, uh, Mega- back at the Decepticon base, Megatron uh, calls into the double agent again, and it's Long Arm Prime, who is Shockwave. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Oh no! Seriously though. That's it's not. It great. is a fantastic reveal, and I love the way that his face kind of shifts down. So that you see, I guess the the actual like humanoid face part of his face is just a mask. Yeah, which is creepy. Yes, and instead he's just got the blackness surrounding a single cycloptic cat eye. Yes, and antlers. Yes. Well, I mean, kind of. I mean, Shockwave kind of had thingies on the side of his head in Generation yeah. One. Yeah, the original one had like. Antenna, big pointy antenna, depending upon who's drawing it, Nick Roche. <laughs> but it, but it's more antler-like in this version. And I I really love Shockwave's design here. I like the, yeah. the colors. Um, I I really like the revision to his head. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's yeah, it's, uh, it's um Corey Burton doing his David Warner voice again, and he's really good at doing that David Warner voice. Yes. Yeah, I was I was surprised it actually wasn't when I, I was originally watching that it wasn't the original Shockwave because it just sounds like the original. No, he Corey Burton no, is the, the original. original. Yeah, Corey Shockwave. Burton was the original Shockwave. Uh, oh, okay, then I was remembering right. You threw me off by saying David. Warner. <laughs> well, the original Shockwave was a David Warner. All right, impression. David Warner is. Oh yeah, now we're talking because David he was Warner. the uh, he based it on the bad guy on Tron. Yes. Yes. He's imitating the Master Control Decepticon. <laughs> uh, my brain just confused. Or no, not. Uh, well, it's not the master control. Uh, oh, right, it's the was, guy. Was it Sark? Something silly. I think it's Sark. Yeah. Because I mean, the master control program might have also been David Warner, but it was like slowed down, so ah. it just sounded like this end of line. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, where? And yes, uh, voice actor Corey Burton based Shockwave's voice on that of. Uh, actor David Warner, specifically his role as evil computer Sark in Tron. And uh, indeed, when they did uh, Tron stuff in Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, Burton did the voice for that as well. Oh, cool. Ah, neat. Also, I really like David Warner. 
but I also like Corey Burton. No, oh, yeah, David Warner's great. Yeah. And so, yeah, that is uh, that is Auto Boot Camp, and this might be my favorite episode of Transformers Animated. <laughs> it's pretty good. I don't know that I'd say yeah, it's, it's a favorite, but I definitely think it's good. It's at least top oh, five. Got, sets up Shockwave, and we get a nice past and some more on Cybertron. It's neat. And I, I love the way they deal with the uh, bulkhead bumblebee relationship here. Yeah. It's yeah. sweet, though. It's endearing. Yes. Just makes me kind of sad for Bulkhead. He deserves a better friend. I mean, the thing is, though, he's happy having Bumblebee as his friend. <sighs> I guess. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> the important thing <sighs> is that Bulkhead is happy. Yeah, that's what really matters. That's all that matters is that Bulkhead is happy. And it- yes, it, it does set up the, the shockwave thing, which is, I think, my favorite plot development on the entire show. It's brilliant. Yeah, that's that's a really good plot thread. And it also resulted in a brilliant toy. Oh, yeah. Yes, and absolutely. As, as much as I love the show Deco, it looks gorgeous and bright purple. Yes, yes, yeah, it does. Yeah, I, I got the purple. Oh, the purple is... Although we, we do eventually see the purple on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Belatedly. Which worked out. Yeah, it works out better. I mean, I guess the gray is kind of more similar to, uh, what is it, Radio Shack Shockwave? Shackwave. Shackwave. Yes. Shackwave. Shackwave. So yeah, no, this is this is a great episode. It I mean, it does advance the plot a lot. It gives us flashbacks, which I always love, and it's got that great character stuff that the show is very good at when it wants to be. Yeah. I like it. Good episode. Thumbs up. Yeah. Yes. So, until next time, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Tumblr, we're on Twitter, and we're on Facebook. And we are hosted by IaconUnderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help support this and our news show. Uh, You can find that at Patreon.com slash IaconUnderground. We've got some exclusive recordings. Yes, we currently have some exclusive recordings uh, where you only have to uh, donate a dollar a month to get access to our movie reviews and various other fun things. And yes, uh, our various other fun being, we did it, Kimono Friends episode one. Yay! Yes, the our previous uh, Kimono <laughs> Friends episode was so popular that we just had to return to that well. So, in the words of Taylor Swift, come and look and see what you made us do. <laughs> Topical. Yes. It won't be by the time this airs. Yay! <laughs> oh, pop music. Uh, Taylor Swift song? Okay, sure. At least I'm more hip than David. I, I'm i too hip for Taylor Swift. I'm like, uh, past it. So there. I have no I idea am... what the song sounds like, but I know it was the fastest of 47 million views on YouTube. I am aggressively normcore, by which I mean I base my personal style on Norm MacDonald. <laughs> so yeah that and of course you can find us on both iTunes and Google Play wherever finer podcasts are found and uh, if you download us from either of those places please rate and review us so and of course join us in one week when we will be uh, elbowing each other for some door crashers on Black Friday Until then, (laughs) until then, you, you steal things. Your name is Rob. (laughs) You, you're a heavy drinker. Your name is Jen. You, you make sarcastic comments. Your name is Alex. I, I guess I'm named after the king of the Jews. I'm David? I thought the king of the Jews was Jackie Mason. You, you're a famous statue. You're David. <laughs> oh, damn it, I should have gone there. You, oh, you're not great. Sylvia. You're one of the kung fu creatures on the rampage. Two! <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, 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 let's go
Okay. Alright. Alright, so if I... I've, had, I've had less outtakes to add to the end because of our recording system now. Well, I guess that's good. It, it, it's good that there's less to edit, but, but there's less outtakes. I'll have to. Because normally we ramble before or after. Alright, well, I'll, I'll oh, have to come oh, and up I should some... have. Uh... Wait, uh, I gotta get back up before we go. Okay, well, I'll come up with some goofy non sequiturs. Talk about my cat some more. Good he is a very good boy. He is a very good kitten. I had a dream last night about having to go outside to get my cats that were outside because there was a cat flap that I don't have on the outside of the house. Oh. And then somehow I ended up in my backyard from my childhood, which was weird. Oh. I'm pretty sure I just ended up dreaming about coffee. I'm, I'm gonna guess it's safe to say I dreamed about coffee. I so rarely remember my dreams that this was odd. Mm. Yeah, I almost it was never very short dreams I remember. Well, the, the best part of it was I felt great because I caught Fluffy who did get out once and I took three tries to catch her originally. But in the dream it's like, yeah, hey, I caught her tail and got her in the first try. <laughs> that was nice. 